being overseas for those first couple of years, I was very lonely going through all of these things and it's a lot of pressure on you uh, to perform and you're just dealing with it by yourself at times. So um, that was huge for me. I'm usually all, always around friends or family. You know, sometimes the time difference can get in the way of you, you know, communicating with people back home. So, you know, that was that was pretty tough. You find out a lot about yourself. You kind of get to know yourself a lot better. You know, you have game, you have bad games, and you, you it's just a lot of pressure. And you, you have your agent like, oh, I need you to do this, I need you to do that. And then you have to maybe you're not in a good situation on your team, and this is a lot of things that can that can go on. So figure out ways to, you know, get it done. At the end of the day, you have to perform, and they don't they don't care about you know if you had a bad day. You have to block all that out, perform, and you know do your job. Another season in the books. The podcast featuring professional athletes who have taken their careers overseas. We'll hear about their seasons, come and gone, the process, their struggles, and what it's been like living and playing overseas. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, 12-year veteran in Europe's professional basketball leagues. Let's get to it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode here on Another Season in the Books. This week, we get to hear the story of a true vet. Basketball has taken John Robertson around the world to places like Slovenia, Australia, Russia, Ecuador, Turkey. The list goes on. His college career started at Texas Tech under none other but the world-famous Bobby Knight. Yes, Coach Knight sat politely in John's living room on a home visit, ate hors d'oeuvres, chatted it up with his mom, and tried his best to convince this promising young point guard to pick his school. Fifteen years after that legendary home visit, John continues to play the sport that captured his heart at the young age of just three years old. John Robertson, buenas tardes, como estas? Bien, y tú? <laughs> Muy bien. Muy bien. I had to put you to the test a little bit because, you know, Ida told me that you guys were working on your Spanish, so just thought I'd put yeah. it out there. He's been working on it a little bit more than I have, but I'm, I'm trying to learn a little bit, the basics. Muy bien. Um, well, getting right into it, tell us about your first sports memory. Uh, my first sports memory will probably have to be... Um, Watching my dad play, he was a he was a basketball player, and I remember going to he wasn't a professional or anything like that, but I remember watching him at the park, um, and I was I had to be maybe like three or four years old, but I just have like a vague memory of him playing outside, um, and uh, yeah, I think that was the first memory I had. He used to always show me his pictures in the yearbook, and that's kind of what you know sparked that fire in me to want to play as well. And you grew up in Florida? I was born in Kansas City. Uh, Kansas um, yes, and then my mom and my dad, they got divorced. We moved to Florida when I was six. Uh, but I, yeah, I pretty much grew up in Florida. Um, stayed there until I was 16 and then moved to Texas. Okay. To finished high school. There. So it was nice weather. I mean, Kansas City, Florida, to be outside <laughs> playing at the park. Um, yep. So now that you said that your dad played, I'm assuming that you grew up in a sports-oriented, sports-minded family? Yes, yes. My dad played. Um, it's, it's in our family. Basketball runs deep in our family. My mom ran track in high school. So 
Um, I kind of get it from both sides. Yeah, nice genes there. Mm -hmm. um, and then do you have sisters or brothers? Yes, one brother, one sister. Um, my sister's older than me. She's what five years older. My brother's what he's ten years younger than me. So okay, yeah, they okay. don't play basketball or anything like that. I'm the only one that plays. All right. Um, so when did you start then playing basketball? You were three years old watching your dad. When did you start uh, playing on your first team? Would you say? Uh, I was about seven years old um, in Florida. My first team was the Dukes. Uh, I was seven years old. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was playing on a team that was actually nine and 10 year olds. So okay. I, I was just out there full of energy running around. Um, I used to watch a lot of NBA basketball. So I thought I knew what I was doing, but I didn't. <laughs> All right. Um, and when would you say you started taking it more seriously? Um, I started taking it more seriously when I started playing AAU basketball. And that was around nine years old. Um, when I actually like started playing with my age group. Um, so yeah, when I started playing AAU the, with the Orlando Raptors, I actually played against one of my childhood friends, Nick Calathis, um last week. He plays for Barcelona. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that was fun. So yeah, we started playing together when we were seven years old. So yeah. Very cool. You started yeah. early. I didn't start AAU. I started a little later. Um, I think I was around 15 or 16. Um, oh, wow because I played summer fast pitch. And so I was like oh, into the whole fast pitch scene and I had no idea what the AAU um, deal was all about. You know, nine years old, you're taking it more seriously. When did the recruiting process get started for you? Uh, as far as like college? Yeah. Uh, because they were recruiting in high school too. <laughs> right. So yeah, the college, I mean, that started early, I think. We played on – my team was pretty good, so we had we had some pretty um, – some good players who were getting recruited by a lot of schools. So I would say probably freshman year of high school. Right. Is when I kind of saw colleges coming to the high school, watching guys. And, you know, we start – you play at those showcases, so there's colleges there, college coaches there. And, um, you know, you start, I started getting letters as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, so how would you describe the recruiting process for yourself? Because it can be very overwhelming. Um, it's a lot of letters, phone calls, and for the younger generation who's going through this process or who will go through this process, um, tell us a little bit about yours and how you ended up deciding, you know, where you wanted to go. Did you take official visits and unofficial visits? Yes, yes, I did. I, uh, well, I think it's so crazy because now with all the social media and like, it's probably so different than, you know, when I was getting recruited, but um, when I was getting recruited, you know, it started off with the letters and then you, uh, you start getting those, those messages from the coaches and they want to, you know, call you and they, they only have a certain amount of, you know, minutes or hours that they can talk to you um, throughout the week. And uh, you know, they have, then the NCAA has all those rules, but, um, did yeah, you have a cell phone? Me. I had a cell phone and I would wake up to text messages from coaches like, hope you have a great day. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it was crazy. Like they are on it from the, you know, from the start of the day to the end of the day. So um, it can be kind of overwhelming, especially when, uh, you know, people are asking you, where have you decided where you're going to go? And, you know, a lot of questions and you have the media and, it was kind of overwhelming for me, but I mean, 
I was actually relieved to get it over with, to be honest with right. you. It was, <laughs> um, but I made my decision um, when I was a junior in high school. Uh, what did it for me was having Coach, Coach Knight come to my house. Um, he came to my house. My mom had made all these hors d'oeuvres for the coaches. And he said, like, I had Bob Knight sitting in my living room, like a legend. Wow. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make my, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, commit. Like, it was crazy. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much what did it for me. That is very interesting. I've convinced a lot of people over the years that Bobby Knight is like my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not, but he's not. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bobby Knight, he is, I mean, famous. He's won an NCAA, I think I read this morning, he's one of the only three coaches that has won an NCAA tournament, an NIT tournament, and an Olympic gold medal. Oh. And I you had this man sitting in your living room asking you, you know, begging. I don't know if he was begging, but, you know, <laughs> he wanted you at his school. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. And, uh, you know, when, when I first saw him, you don't realize he's 6'6". Six, six. Like, he uh, he's a big guy. And, um, you know, he's pretty intimidating, I have to say. And, you know, for him to come and tell me that he wants me at his school and, you know, I have a chance to play as a freshman, I mean – I mean, everything. And I saw what he did for other players that were in his program. And, you know, he's uh, comparing me to Isaiah Thomas. And, you know, if you work hard, you can be I was like, wow. Like, okay. Okay, coach. <laughs> so I'm, assuming, I'm assuming he behaved himself in yes. your living room. He said, yes, he did. please and thank you. You know, he <laughs> ate what your mom offered him. No throwing of chairs. No, none of that. None of that. He was, uh, he, you know, that's what people don't, don't realize. He's a great guy um, off the court. <laughs> but, um, you know, he was a great guy. You know, I learned a lot from him. Um, great coach, um, X's and O's, everything. Um, and he really helped me mature as a freshman and, uh, you know, helped me be the player I am today. Right, because I wanted to ask you, I'm sure you had heard the stories before committing and before playing for him, because he had been at Indiana from, I think it was 1971 to 2000, so almost 30 years at the same school. Um, and unfortunately, it ended somewhat um, ugly. And um, so I'm sure you are aware of those stories. I remember seeing it on the news. So then when he started recruiting you, what was going through your mind? I'm assuming that none of that really affected your decision, and you just wanted to play for the best and a very intense coach. Yeah, exactly. And I, obviously, it's, it's funny because the year, the year before I got to Texas Tech, an incident happened where I think he kind of like popped the, a player in his chin. And it was all over the news on ESPN. Oh, Bob Knight does his game. He's hitting his players and all this. But if you really know him, which I, I'm, you know, I'm glad I got a chance to get to really know him. And he just wants the best for his players. That's it. You know what I mean? And he, he can get intense. It can, he can get fiery, but at the end of the day, he wants what's best for you. Um, not just on the court, but off the court. He wants you to put, um, to act like a gentleman and to, you know, conduct yourself uh, in the right way. So, you know, that's all he wants. And, yes, he can get a little fiery and intense, but that's what I needed. I needed that type of coach, and that's what I – you know, I play my best basketball when somebody's, you know, challenging me. So. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask you what you admired about him, and you pretty much just summed it up, but you said X's and O's, um, just how he went about his coaching philosophy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's kind of in your face direct, 
but I, he's always honest with you. You know, he's not going to sugarcoat anything or, you know, talk behind your back or anything like that. If he has something to say to you, it's direct. And, you know, that's something I can respect. Mm-hmm. And then I also read this morning that I think in his whole career, only four players that he coached that were with him for all four years did not graduate. So he has a very high percentage of players that graduate. I was just thinking about it, like he demands so much on the basketball court. And as a player, a young college player, that has to be exhausting. You know, you're there, you're there to play basketball. But at the same time, he also, I'm assuming, talked to you about academics and was supporting his players in their studies. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's what my mom heard. She heard the academic part. She didn't really, <laughs> that's my part's all good, but, you know, he's going to make sure you graduate. You have to think about that, John. And, you know, she told me that. And that was a big part of me going as well, um, just hearing that, you know, all his players graduate. And it's not just about, you know, basketball. It's about what are you going to do after college? Uh-huh. And, I mean, so that was, that was huge. And like you said, it can be exhausting, but it prepares you for, for life. You know what I mean? Life isn't going to be easy if you want to be successful. So um, it just prepared me for the real world. Right. Did you know what you wanted to major in before arriving at Texas Tech? I had an idea, but, you know, I, I kind of changed my major a couple of times and I ended up with journalism. Huh. Um, I always liked to watch Sports Center, So broadcast journalism was, you know, on my um, on my list. So I ended up going with journalism. I like to write. So. Nice. Um, and then I, you said you liked to watch sports and you talked about the NBA when you were little. Did you have a favorite team growing up? I see you're wearing, is that a Lakers jersey? You have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am a Lakers fan. I always was a Kobe fan. RIP, my man Kobe. Um, you know, I was a Kobe and an AI fan. Um, you know, I just love the way they played, the way they attacked, uh, attacked the, the game and their, just their competitiveness. Um, I love everything about them. I, of course, I was an MJ fan as well, too. But, um, you know, my generation was Kobe and AI, so, you know, I just love to watch them play. Right, because you were born in 1988? Yep. Okay. So just two years younger than I am. Um, mm-hmm. And you said you like to write. Do you like to write about sports, or what kind of writing do you like to do? Yeah, I like to write about um, just pretty much whatever. I mean, I just like to put the pen to the pad and just let my, my, you know, my ideas hit the paper, you know, um, I haven't written in a while, but when I was in college, I loved to, um, you know, I love to write about anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say the last, what, how many years have you been a professional? Are you in your 11th year? My 10th year. 10th year. You have a lot of material over the last 10 years to yeah. write about all your countries, experiences, exactly. Um, yeah, me, me and Ida talk about that all the time, like <laughs> how crazy, if, how crazy it would be if we, you know, put a book together and wrote about all the things we've been through and all of our experiences. So, yeah, it would be a, it would be an interesting book. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so you make it through your four years um, and then post-college comes. Did you always think that you were going to be playing overseas? Did you know much about that world? I had no idea. <laughs> I had a couple teammates who had, you know, graduated and went overseas, but I didn't know anything about the the level, the game, like how they play, nothing. I just heard that, oh, he went to Italy and he signed for this amount. That's it. Right. So 
and you know i like my first year was a culture shock for me can you quickly if you can remember can you give me a list of all the different places that you've played since you graduated i have them written down but maybe it's correct maybe not depending on how correct the internet is okay uh let me see <laughs> uh my first place was slovenia second place was ecuador okay that is correct then because i saw the name of that team but it looks like they don't exist anymore and when i looked them up it said ecuador so you played in south yep. america okay yeah and then you did play in the g league right before that no i played in the aba Oh, the ABA, okay. The I, South I forgot about the ABA. The ABA was before Ecuador, yes. So, okay. yeah. Ecuador? Uh, and then I went to Switzerland. Uh, then I went to Sweden. Then Hungary. Then back to Sweden. Then France. Then Russia. Australia. Turkey. Yep, and now Spain. And now Spain. That's quite the repertoire of countries and you said that your first year was a complete culture shock. I'd like yes. to ask you exactly what about that experience? I mean, I'm sure it was probably everything, but do you have any, any specific stories about, you know, language, food, um, maybe even a traffic, something if you were driving and something happened, um, anything that you can remember? It's been a long time now, it's been a decade. Yeah, I mean, I just remember getting, <laughs> Okay, first I'll start with everything that I packed to go on this trip. I packed an iron. You packed <laughs> like, an iron in your suitcase? <laughs> wow. I, had, I, had, I did, had no idea what to bring. I'm bringing all these clothes and shoes and I packed the iron. I had all type of stuff. I didn't know what type of outlet. Like I was like looking up things. How I didn't know what suitcases? to I had like two and a half suitcases. Like I'm packing for a year. I'm thinking I'm gonna be there for a year. I'm like, I need all this stuff with me. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it was a, I had all types of stuff and that I would never pack like nowadays. You know what I mean? Now I know exactly what I need, but then, I mean. <laughs> so, like, that was crazy. Then I get there and in Slovenia, you know, we're going through all these mountains just to get to my city. And I mean, it was beautiful. Um, I had never seen so many mountains before. And then the jet lag hit me. I'm like, yo, what is going on? So I'm sleeping all day. I'm tired. I'm waking up in the middle of the night. So I'm like, man, what is going on? I never felt like this before. And then, uh, you know, the language, it sounded like they were just talking in gibberish. I had no idea what they were saying. Uh, I'm the only American on the team. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, everybody's sitting around me. All my teammates, we would go to, you know, team dinners and stuff. They'd be talking with each other, laughing, joking. I'm just sitting there like, wow. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was a culture shock. Where I lived, it was a small city in Lashko, Slovenia. Um, not much there. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. I'm hoping you had other European teammates that spoke a little English. Well, I had so one one teammate was actually a guy that I played with in college, huh. but he's uh, he's from Serbia, so he spoke with kind of the same language as everyone else. So right. we would we could hang out and talk a little bit, but that was it. Wow, 
Okay, so after that, you know, every year you get a little smarter, a little wiser. Now you don't pack an iron in your suitcase anymore. I do have to say, your mom, she taught you well, though, because my brothers would never iron anything. <laughs> Man, so I have to applaud you for that. Um, and then after that, I mean, we could talk forever about all these different countries, but I don't know if you can pick out a couple places that you really enjoyed living or that you really enjoyed the quality of life um, or just, I don't know, any experiences, funny experiences that you can remember that you'd like to share. They probably don't say hello the same way in all those countries, whether it's one kiss, yeah. two kisses, three kisses, I don't know. Yeah. Yes, that is true. In France, I think that's the first country where the kisses came in. I was like, uh, how many, two, three? Like, <laughs> sometimes, you, sometimes you pick the wrong cheek and then y'all is awkward. <laughs> right. So, yeah, France was the first time that happened. But uh, I think the, the, my favorite country would have to be either Sweden or France or Australia. Um, Australia was, you know, very Americanized. Everyone spoke English, of course. Um, so it was easy to live there. Uh, you know, the people were great. Um, Sweden, of course, where I met my fiance. Um, loved, loved everything about, you know, the team I was on and, you know, the living. Everyone's so nice. And in France, um, the basketball there was, was an excellent, great league. Um, great people so um, I'm enjoying Spain as well you know Spain is great um, it's easy to live here you know without COVID it'd probably be a lot better but right. yeah um, what's your worst food experience were you ever offered something that you said oof I don't know if I want to eat that or you did it just to be polite yeah in France they eat snails uh. <laughs> and frog legs and you know it's, uh, there's a delicacy and I was like, oh, there's no way I'm eating snails. <laughs> Did you try them or no? I never tried it. <laughs> there are a couple places here in Madrid where you can eat snails too. And people do, they love it. They love to put the toothpick in there and like pull them out. <laughs> I'm a very picky eater, so um, I stick with the basics. I don't really okay. try a lot. <laughs> I, I played one year in Switzerland as well. I was in the southern part right near Italy. Um, so I'm not sure which part were you in? I was in Monte, which is near. Um, did you speak French or German they or? They spoke okay. French. Yeah. So you were on the French side. Um, but I was at this restaurant every day. They, it was part of the contract, but we couldn't choose our meal. And one day, yeah, frog legs showed up on the plate and um, it tasted, they tasted just like chicken, I must say. Really? <laughs> I'll right. try anything almost once. But, yeah. but what about the best food? Did you have a country that you really enjoyed? The best food would probably have to, you know, actually Russia has some great food. And oh. It really surprised me. They had a lot of good restaurants in Russia. Um, there's a place there called Frankie Wu, which was <laughs> like Japanese um, kind of gourmet and food, and it was really good. Australia had a lot of great places. France as well. What was your experience like in Russia? Because I've heard a lot of not so positive things from American players who have played over there. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of the like the idea I had going into it. And my mom was worried about me. She's like, "Oh my God, I don't know if you should go there." And 
Um, but I didn't have any bad experiences. Um, you know, the people aren't as friendly. Um, they're kind of more direct and they're, you know, they mind their business, they don't really speak. But like, you know, how some cultures are very friendly and they talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was really cold. <laughs> um, I was in Siberia, so it was freezing. Um, yeah, it was freezing. It was unbearable sometimes, but. And long travel, right? From team to team? Every away game, we had to go from Krasnoyarsk to Moscow. And that was a four-hour flight. Mm-hmm. And then we would go to wherever. So, yeah, it was, the travel was crazy. And I was 12 hours, I think, uh, time, the time distance, or the, yeah, the time was 12. I was 12 hours ahead of everyone in the States. Mm-hmm. That so, makes it tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are some of the obstacles that you feel like you have had to overcome throughout the last 10 years living overseas and how, and how, like your mentality as far as how you've confronted those obstacles and how you've um, managed to get through them? Well, I know being, being overseas for those first couple of years, I was very lonely. Um, it can get really lonely. You know, you're going through all of these things and it's a lot of pressure on you uh, to perform and you're just dealing with it by yourself at times so um that was huge for me i'm usually always around friends or family and um you know sometimes the time difference can you know get in the way of you you know communicating with people back home so you know that was that was pretty tough um you find out a lot about yourself you kind of get to know yourself a lot better and um you know especially you know, you have game, you have bad games, and you, you it's just a lot of pressure, and you, you have your agent, like, oh, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, and then you have to, maybe you're not in a good situation on your team, and this is a lot of things that can, that can go on, so, um, you know, you have to figure out ways to, you know, get it done. At the end of the day, you have to perform, and, you know, they don't, they don't care about, you know, if you had a bad day, you have to block all that out, perform, and, you know, do your job. Mm -hmm. Do you have any strategies that helped you get through those situations? Because you're right, you have a bad game or whatever, and you don't have any family members to to be there to go have dinner with afterwards to talk about it. Um, You don't, maybe you don't even have teammates that you feel close enough with to talk to about it. And I can only imagine, and especially on the men's side and the teams that you've played for, the level that you've played at, it's a lot of stress and you can be fired or hired, you know, at the drop of a hat. So I mean, yeah. Do you have any strategies? Do you just, what do you chalk your mental toughness up to? For me, I, and I tell all the, you know, the guys I talk to back home about, you know, um, what it takes, you know, people ask me what it takes to, you know, play overseas or uh, this and that. And I'm just like, you know, for me, it was, make sure you get those extra reps in. make sure you are prepared, you know, make sure you know who you're playing against, do your homework. Um, I know that has helped me, you know, so much, you know, just getting in the gym and, you know, Hey coach, can I come in hour before and get some extra shots up or hour after practice? Like that really goes a long way to making sure you're prepared in the game. It kind of eases your mind and builds your confidence. Um, so that's what it does for me. And, um, you know, that's, that's the basketball aspect. 
Um, and then, you know, I'm a man of faith, you know, I pray a lot. So that kind of calms me down and helps me. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my advice. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that all the different teams that you've played on, the gym has been available for you to go in and I've gotten lucky. I've gotten so lucky that yes, there have been, um, all the teams I've played on, I'll find a way. I try to find a way <laughs> to get that extra gym time in. And now it's become like, I have to, like, <laughs> or sure. I, don't, I, won't, I won't play well. So. Right. Yeah, it's that confidence. It's seeing the ball go in, feeling good with your technique. Um, how would you, what would you say about John Robertson and how he has grown and matured um, over the last 10 years you being forced to live far away from home, live in all these different countries. Um, I'm sure you have grown and matured in many, many ways. Yeah, it's, I think it's just opened my eyes up to the world. And um, it's definitely been a blessing to see the rest of the world. Before I was very, you know, coming from America, you can be very closed-minded and think that, you know, oh, I live in America. We live in the best country in the world. I don't need to see anything else. But just to see all these different places and learn about these new cultures, and there's so much out here, you know? Um, and it really opened my eyes to, you know, I don't even know if we want to live in the States when, when we're done playing. We might want to live somewhere else because of, you know, the opportunities and the different, um, just the different things that are out here. Like in Sweden, they have healthcare that's provided for everyone. You know what I mean? And that's that's huge. Um, I've heard great yeah. things about Sweden. Yeah, yeah, it's a great country, um, and most of the countries in Europe provide that for the for the mm -hmm. people. So um, it just opened my eyes to a lot of different things. And you know, yeah, when you were a young kid, you never probably ever imagined that you'd be spending this much time living uh, in different countries. Never. And never. your mom probably didn't imagine that either. <laughs> didn't. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that she's, she's been able to come out here. She got a chance to go to France and um, she came to Russia and I'm glad she got to see that because it kind of opened her eyes as well. Like, oh my God, maybe there isn't, you know, what I thought it was going to be, you know? Right. So, Not many yeah. people have that experience to go to Russia and really kind of see it from, you know, firsthand experience. Good for her. Yeah. yeah. And you. Mm -hmm. Um. That really makes me happy. My family probably never would have traveled to Europe if it wasn't for me being over here either. So, um, and my mom had no desire, but now she's kind of hooked and she loves it. But because of coronavirus, yeah. we've had to kind of put those travel plans on hold. Um, how, real quick here, how has coronavirus affected you at all? What about the summer leading up to coming over to Spain? Yeah, it was pretty tough. Um, you know, all the gyms are closed. You, use, you know, most of that time you're in the gym, preparing for the next season all the gyms were closed so we had to do a lot of uh, exercise outside running in the neighborhood and playing outside on outside goals I haven't done that in probably 15 years um so it was it was a lot different um had a couldn't see my mom as much as I wanted to because we were just afraid of you know spreading COVID and um yeah it was it was pretty tough but uh, it's yeah, it's it's been a a wild ride. I think it's you know it's getting worse. Mm -hmm. So um, it kind of put an end to the whole season when I was in Turkey, 
you know, it was a, it was it happened so fast. Like you have a game the next day, you know, the next day they're canceling the season. So a lot right. was up in the air, and yeah, it's been, it was it was crazy. What do you think about the PCR tests? I hate them. <laughs> no comment. They're, they're, they're getting better. It depends on who does it because some people are very aggressive. And they go all the way up there, and then some people are very gentle. So whoever is gentle, then it's okay. <laughs> You're strong and tough. You can handle anything. <laughs> um, all right, getting to the end of the interview, a couple rapid-fire questions. What jersey number do you wear and why? <laughs> Before I – okay, so for most of my career, I've been 21. Um, and I just – it was just a random number that I picked because somebody Kevin Garnett, Minnesota Yeah, yeah. Shout out to KG. <laughs> but I actually, I actually wanted 23 because of Michael Jordan, but somebody had already taken it. So I was like, hmm, next number, probably 21. Okay. And I just wore that. And then yeah, I ended up wearing three in Australia because um, somebody took 21. And Allen Iverson was, you know, one of my favorite players. So I went with okay. Three. There you go. Um, do you bring any specific food products with you when you go overseas that you know you won't be able to find back home? Or not back home, but where you're going to be living? Uh, I usually bring seasoning. I usually okay. bring some, well, I didn't this time, but I usually bring Lowry's. I bring some, uh, well, I, I usually don't bring it. I have my mom ship it to me. Okay. She ships me Lowry's, she ships me ranch dressing, <laughs> and... Uh, some just like lemon pepper seasoning, just seasoning to that. I don't really think that. You know, okay. Um, what would you say is your go-to bread and butter move on the court? Ooh, probably coming off a pick and roll, shooting a three. Mm -hmm. I, think <laughs> and I think your record is what, 10 threes in one game? Yes. 10 or 11, I think. Yes. Dang. Um, and, you know, the holiday season is upon us. Do you have a favorite holiday throughout the year? Christmas, for sure. Christmas? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah, is that? Uh, it's just my favorite. It's always been my favorite holiday because it, it was the time where all of the family would get together. And, you know, me being away from all my family in Kansas City, we would always get together during Christmas. And it was just a great time. But you never have really celebrated, well, I guess overseas you have. But growing up, your Christmases were never a white Christmas, were they? Uh, or did it snow in Kansas City? In Kansas City, in Kansas City, yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. So we could. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Christmas isn't Christmas for me unless there's snow on the ground. And yeah. being from Minnesota, that's you know that's what it's all about. Um, mm -hmm. And this podcast is called Another Season in the Books. So talking about another season come and gone, and another season maybe studying or you know improving yourself out off the court. When I know you have more years of playing left in you. Um, but when you do stop playing, do you have any hobbies or things that have been on the back burner that you really haven't been able to think about much just because basketball has been occupying so much of your mental, physical, emotional time throughout the past, you know, at least 20 years, 25 years? Yeah. Um, not really any, like, hobbies like that. But I think once I'm done, you know, um, I have some plans. I like to um, – you know, start training and maybe open up my own gym. I think I'll always be around basketball mm -hmm. um, just because it's what I've done my whole life. But, um, yeah, like I've, I've started making some plans, investing, and 
trying to get into that whole new um field mm-hmm. uh but uh yeah like i have a couple plans nothing crazy okay and then just something that's coming off the top of my head and all these different teams that you've played on have you had a translator or has there always been a coach that has been able to speak to you in english because you're a point guard and you have to be leading and instructing and calling the plays. Um, what has that experience been like for you? Uh, I've actually, I've been lucky. I've usually had a coach that spoke English. Um, the one time I didn't, he didn't speak English was in Russia and we had a translator. Um, and usually, you know, you always have guys on the team that speak English so they can kind of translate a little bit too. Okay. Um, but you know, basketball is universal, so um, it's it's not that difficult as people would think. Like having a coach that doesn't really speak good English, because once you're out there, you can kind of talk to the guys, and they understand me. So that's that's kind of you know what matters. Okay. All right. Well, John, thank you very much. Muchísimas gracias. <laughs> uh, good yeah. luck this upcoming weekend. I think you guys play. Do you play Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. Sunday against who? We are going to Burgos. Okay, Burgos. Well, good luck. Um, Thank I'll you. be I'll be keeping track. We actually don't play this weekend because it's the like the FIBA windows where the, my teammates are with their national okay. team. So we have the weekend off. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be practicing, but nice. we'll be cheering for you guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for your time. No problem. Ten years in the books for John as a professional basketball player overseas, and he's still probably got a handful of years left to continue enjoying the game. He's had the opportunity to travel the world, which has opened his eyes to all the beauty beyond the borders of the United States. He's persevered through the ups and downs of an often stressful and difficult professional career, but he's thankful for the challenges as they've contributed to his growth both on and off the court. Hard work, dedication to his trade, and a strong faith have helped to keep John focused, motivated, and enjoying this international ride he had never expected for himself. All right, that's a wrap for this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard this week, please head on over to iTunes and Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star evaluation and feel free to leave us a comment, provide a suggestion, or whatever you feel is necessary. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, wishing you all a safe and healthy week. Hasta luego!